Hey, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's right. I know. Check it out. It has been a lit weekend so far. You know it's been really good when Monster doesn't even wake you up. You know what I'm saying? So, hallelujah. I am wiped from an amazing weekend. We had our Man Makers and Women's Retreat Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And man, I'm telling you what, God was moving. Uh, it was on being dreamers, like a part of our identity as sons and daughters of God, as God has given us visions and dreams uh, for the future, for what lies ahead. And so if you missed it this weekend, we missed you. And so uh, please talk to somebody, like share with me what this weekend was all about. Fellowship about it. Talk about it. You don't have to fully miss out on it. Somebody can definitely update you and revive you with what they took away from it. There was a, there's just so much that God did and spoke. Um, man, I was just so blessed by what God was speaking to our brothers there at Man Makers. And I'm going to catch up with Carrie later on on how Women's Weekend went. Hallelujah. My babylicious babe. All right. Well, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Yeah, we got palm branches. This is really cool. Thank you, H, for getting these, man. These are lit. They, um, it's very, like, church tradition has really valued Palm Sunday. Uh, it is something that's in all four Gospels. It's actually something that, it's an account in all four Gospels. It's when Jesus rode through the town and Israel was declaring, this is the Messiah that God promised. From Zechariah 9.9, Jesus came riding in on a donkey Instead of a steed, which a king would, or something majestic, Jesus rode in on a humble donkey. In fact, one that nobody ever was, uh, had ridden before that. And what they did while he was coming through the city is they laid down their garments, and they were waving palm branches. That's what we're doing today. We get a wave around palm branches and say, the king is here. The Messiah is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Hallelujah, what Jesus preached. And um, it's just really beautiful. I've always pictured it as a, a symbol of paradise being restored. We have one of our t-shirts that uh, have palm branches on it, in fact, uh, our H2O shirts. And it really is, it's just like what was lost in the garden, here the Messiah is redeeming. Amen. So as you wave your palm branches uh, to the King of Kings because he's worthy, it might be weird and it, it is, like, I've only done this twice in my life, but I love it every time. But check it out. You know what? He's worthy to look a little weird for and uh, step out and try some new things, especially something that has been honored and really remembered. And uh, it's so important to remember today because here's the stark thing with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, these guys were worshiping Jesus today, but come this upcoming Friday... Good Friday. Man, sorry. <laughs> Come this Friday. Jesus gave his life. Someone who healed everybody and loved everybody and was probably the most beautiful gift this world has ever seen. And they crucified him the same people that were praising him. And the thing was, was they were crucifying him and demanding him be put to death because 
he wasn't the Messiah they wanted. He wasn't the Redeemer that they thought he would be. You see, Jesus didn't come to take things like a regular king with armies and force people into his kingdom. He came and he gave love and he gave mercy and grace and he gave his life to invite people into his kingdom. And it's something that was so opposite, but they wanted somebody with this worldly, earthly power to overcome their enemies. But see, Jesus overcame an enemy they didn't even recognize called sin. And that's what he's done for all of us. And so the same people, and we have to be careful. In fact, as we read in today's letter, 1 John, John addresses this. People seeking a Jesus that's different than the Jesus in the Gospels. It's so easy to twist it. Hallelujah. So we're going to read that. But before we dive into that, I got some announcements in the house for H2O. So, yeah, we are still busy. Hallelujah. And we're still running. This weekend is not over. Today is our Ohana service. I'm so glad to see all of our house churches gathering together. It is a joy to come together as family and community. We value our large gathering um, we get to see one another when we haven't seen everyone uh, through the course of the month and stuff. And so this Ohana service, uh, we are privileged and humbled and blessed to be a witness to what God is doing in two of our brothers' lives who are getting baptized today. Hallelujah. And uh, we're going to be doing that after service. That's right, man. Give it up. It is worth celebrating what God is doing in their lives. And uh, yeah, super stoked for that. And we're going to end it with just a big fellowship. We're going to have Penn Station today uh, for lunch, and we're just going to fellowship and encourage one another, and it's going to be awesome. And that's today. And uh, then later on this week, we actually have a multi-campus ministry. See, we're not the only ministry on campus, if you didn't know. We got some amazing ministries. We got Crew, Chi Alpha, Athletes in Action. We got uh, FCA. We got um, just a plethora that we pray for every Sunday. And um, anyways, it's a multi-campus ministry event, and we're welcoming Carry the Love. They're, come, they've been to, they're going to like over 200 campuses across the U.S. to stir up revival, stir up our hearts, because this generation does have dreams. It does have a dream for God's dream to come true. And so, uh, man, if you haven't caught that wave yet, here's an opportunity to catch that wave and be like, man, I haven't really thought about God's dream. I want to be a part of that. And so can we play that video and just kind of see uh, what this, so before we do, um, carry, now go ahead, play the video. Yeah, there we go. We're desperate. We are desperate. Whatever it takes to bring the love of Jesus to a dying world, right? And if we don't capture that vision, um, man, we're going to miss out on something great God has in store for us. We're going to post that video in our group meeting where we do all of our community announcements so you can watch that again. But check it out. It is this Friday. Friday night, it kicks off Carry the Love. They're going to do a worship night and, uh, at uh, one of the other campus ministries partner churches. We'll put that information in the group me. And uh, man, they're going to stir up everybody with testimonies, with some solid worship. Then on Saturday, we're going to kick it off again with some intimate prayer and worship. We're going to press into the Lord. And, uh, and then after lunch, there's going to be two workshops. There's one going to be called Brave Love for the ladies, and then uh, there's going to be another one called Men of Action 
for the men. And these two workshops are pretty much, they're going to equip you guys with just some fundamental things to say, hey, here's like a couple things you could do in that, with those first steps that God's laying on your heart. So I want to encourage you guys to come check that out. Uh, I'll be there, and um, yeah, let's do this together. Amen? What? what? All right. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into today's word. I think that's all the announcements. Am I missing anything, you guys? Maybe. It'll be in the group me if I, I do. All right, so Lord, um, yeah, I just thank you for today. I thank you for all your many blessings. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you that we get to come back together as a, as a church, Ohana. And um, Lord, I just thank you for uh, what you have in store for us this morning. I thank you, God, uh, for our family, our church family. Um, we're so thankful to be a part of a church that uh, has the opportunity to gather together today to worship you, be encouraged and strengthened together as one in and with you. God, we ask that you would pour out your love on us, that you would guide us with your truth this morning, that you would empower us, Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would continue to strengthen our campus ministries as we continue to press in this year and finish strong. We pray for H2O, AIA, IFI, Crew, Chi Alpha, Christians on Campus, Gospel Choir, Rock Campus Fellowship, the High Praise Dance Team, the Chinese Christian Fellowship, CMC, Ratio Christi, and all the other Bible studies that are still taking place on campus this semester. God, we praise you and we thank you for everyone here doing this faithful work. We pray for our partner churches in the surrounding area and around the world, and we ask that you would use us to expand your kingdom by demonstrating your love and your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy by sharing the good news, the truth. Lord, we lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters who continue to share the truth as they risk their lives day to day. They lose their families. They lose their lives every day. And uh, we just lift up our brothers and sisters, comfort them, be with them. And uh, we thank you for uh, being one church together around the world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Cool, check it out. We're going to be camping out in 1 John chapter 2. So not the big gospel, big John, where it's one of the small letters towards the end of your Bible. It's the whole chapter. And uh, we're going to be looking at what John has to do. In our house churches, we just kicked off this series. Um, in First John, we just uh, we finished Romans, and now we're doing First John. Um, just to give you a little bit of context, this letter that John wrote was to several Gentile churches. Uh, he was not just ministering to Jews, but to Gentiles at this point. John is an old man by this point. John is old John. So he was young John uh, back in the day walking with Jesus. In fact, uh, he probably started off about maybe close to 18 years old with Jesus. And now he's old John, old man. I think of old man Logan like Wolverine. But no, this is, uh, this is old John, and he has been through some things, you guys. I mean, this man has pressed on. They tried beating him. He still preached the gospel. They tried burning him. He didn't burn. He still preached the gospel. Then they tried boiling him, and he didn't cook. So guess what they did with John at the end of his life? They sent him out and isolated him on some island called the Isle of Patmos in his later, later on in his life, where there was like 
it was known that tons of just venomous, poisonous snakes, like coral snakes, were all over this island. And they're just like, we can't do anything with you but keep you away from people. And one of his greatest, uh, like, just legacies uh, that God used him to write was Revelation out there at the Isle of Patmos. Hallelujah. Like, God just spent time with him, and uh, he was drawn up to heaven and wrote revelations out there. So this is John. He's not quite there on the Isle of Patmos yet, but he's old. And, um, man, he is still a partaker of the fellowship of God's dream. Like, it hasn't been exhausted. He still joyfully enters in moment by moment, whether it's good, bad, ugly, hard, painful, comfortable, whatever. John is pressing in and taking the opportunity to share the good news with whoever he can. And so he's inviting uh, the church into this fellowship and he's equipping the church. He continues to exhibit the love of Jesus in his letter. Um, and we see this love that he experienced with Jesus in this letter. He's so endearing, so personable. Um, he talks to uh, the fellow believers like little children carrying the Father's heart. That's not a demeaning thing. Like, I love you like God loves his children. And he is carrying the Father's heart in a huge way through this gospel. And he's beckoning them to listen to the heart of the Father as he encourages and warns the church. Um, he's asking, in chapter 2 specifically, he's asking them and reminding them not to sin, but if we do, we still have an advocate. Like every time we fall, we can get back up. That's the good news because, see, there's an enemy out there who wants to lie to you. He wants to deceive you and say, you're not forgiven, you're not redeemed, all these things. And he's going to bring all this stuff and try to accuse you and keep you beat up to feel guilty and ashamed. But John says, nah, that, Jesus already paid for that. You don't have to stay there because he already dealt with that. You can get back up and keep running the course, running the race, keep running towards him. But the chapter is going to explain this way better than I can, so let's let the Holy Spirit speak through God's Word. Amen? So 1 John chapter 1, uh, let's read this together. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Amen. John 3.16. This is how we are sure that we have come to know him, by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is perfected. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and, I, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother is not in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness. 
walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven, because of Jesus' name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have victory over the evil one. I have written to you, little children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have victory over the evil one. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, lo- uh, loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride, of lo- uh, the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. We know from this, it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However... They went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But if you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do not, or because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies the Son who, de- who denies the Son can have the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that, himself, that he himself made to us. Eternal life. I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. The anointing you have received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you all about things and is true and is is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. Now, little children, remain in him, so that when he appears... We may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you do not know he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Wow, we could just call it a day, right? I mean, John's teaching here. I don't really need to teach after this. This is his word. This is our Holy Spirit teaches us through the word. I'm going to expand on some things, just a couple things, and highlight things this morning. But really, the Word is powerful, and God speaks to us through that. We see already that John sounds so much like Jesus in verses like 3 through 5. It just right out the bat. This is how we are sure that we have come to know Him, by keeping His commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is perfected. 
All right, so Jesus said something back in the day, and John is just echoing this. Jesus says, if you love me, you obey me. It's that simple. It's not that our obedience merits salvation. It's that our obedience is a response in salvation, a response to his love. And so John's saying, you're going to desire to obey God if you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's going to be a desire to know him, want to know him, want to know what he says to do, and it's going to be pressing. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at this, but it means that we will be convicted at times, and we will know that like, whoa, I feel like something's off, or I know that this is clearly wrong. I need to repent and get back up and get going, right? So Jesus says, our love, uh, if you love me, you obey me, right? So our love that is already there results in following Jesus, seeking Jesus, obeying Jesus. We know we are caught up in relationship when we develop a love for God's word, that speaks to us and teaches us. In fact, later on in verse 21, we see John emphasizing that when we know God's word, we automatically then know what's, a tr- what's truth and a lie. How do you know what's a lie when people twist the gospel if you don't know the gospel? It's so sad. I, I come across so many. I've, I've been in ministry for over 20 years working with young people and youth and college-age students, and I hear like, uh, people have been raised up their whole life in church, and I say, share with me why you believe what you believe. What's the gospel? Jesus loves me. Well, that's a good, in, that's a, that's a good start to the gospel, but if you don't realize what, how to define that love, then you'll use the world standard of love to define that love. And automatically, you're twisting, you're gonna, you have an opportunity for the Antichrist to twist who Jesus Christ is in your life. You need to know that God's love was best demonstrated to us while we were still enemies of his. We were against everything that he is. He is holy and we are broken. Everything we do goes against that holiness and needs, beckons judgment. And that judgment is eternal separation from God. Hell over and over and over Death over and over and over for all of eternity, experiencing this, this emptiness, crying out, gnashing your teeth, the Bible describes it, as though you're tormented in burning flames. God rescued us from that. That's love. God says, I love you right where you're at. I love you while you're an enemy. You're not even doing anything right, and I love you, and I'm calling you out of that I'm not going to let you stay there. I love you enough just as you are, but I love you enough not to let you stay that way. That's love. But see, the enemy would like to twist that and say, oh, God loves you just the way you are, and you could stay that way. Mm. John addressed that last week. Hallelujah. So here's the thing. The rest of the chapter begins to highlight these specific commands of what that obedience to Jesus looks like. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. Well, what's the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first one. So we really, man, that's a, that, there's a, that's a mouthful. But have you ever really dove into what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Is that something I meditate? I wake up every day trying to think of like, Lord, how do I bless my babelicious babe? How can I encourage her, champion her, pray for her, know her, get, get to just how can I best serve her? I want to take Cariology 101, right? 
You know, it, it's one of those things that it, I don't graduate from. Well, same thing with our pursuit of God. I don't graduate from loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm continually, le- daily learning how to do this. And I see it best as God guides me through his word. So that's the first greatest commandment. The second one is love your neighbor as you love yourself. It means be a servant to your neighbor. Jesus demonstrated that with a good Samaritan story. Check it out. But these two things, these two great commandments, Jesus said, obey him. You're following me, you're going to obey these specific two great commandments. Jesus gave actually a lot of commandments, but these are the two primary ones. And he says, these two primary ones fulfilled all the law. If you follow me and fulfill these two commandments, in me the law is fulfilled. You're trusting me. Amen? So verse 21, uh, no, that's, never mind. Yeah, so John continues uh, to highlight this, not only in this chapter, like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also serving others through the rest of this whole book. In fact, John 1, 2, and 3 highlights these things. It's in him. It's part of his DNA. He saw Jesus for three years loving people, serving people, helping them out, loving your neighbor. And he saw Jesus three years intimately spending time with the Father, loving the Father with all of his mind, soul, and strength, laying his life down. That takes strength that you don't have unless you have a relationship with the Father. You see, both of those two commandments are impossible to accomplish even attempt, really, without God in you. And God gives us that ability in Christ. So John wants us to obey, but he gives us a warning in this next segment. He gives us a warning not to love the world, because we're called to obey God, but one of the stumbling blocks, one of the temptations is loving the world. And when we love the world, um, it's... It's really this um, ammunition, it's an open door for the Antichrist to use this love to twist and distort the gospel. You see, the love of the world looks like this. It's the pride of life, the lust of the eye, and the lust of flesh, lust of the flesh. Your sin is rooted in one of those three things, pride, lust of the eye, or lust of the flesh. I want, I want, I want. Israel's pride said, I want a Messiah who does this for me. I don't want that Messiah. I want this kind of Messiah. That's pride. You're not teachable. You're not humble. You're not walking in that. I lust after this. If God doesn't give me this, then I'm not about it. Hmm. See, that's rooted and centered on selfishness versus being centered on Christ. And so the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life, Jesus actually shared a parable. So John got this revelation from one of Jesus' parables. It sounds just like this. It was a seed in the parable of the sower and the seeds. He says, seed was beginning to be thrown out all over the place, and one of the seeds fell on ground where it began to take sprout, like, it began to sprout. It actually, like, started to blossom a little seedling, and weeds begin to choke it out, and weeds begin to Weeds end up killing it, okay? So what does a weed do? It begins to choke it. It distorts it before it kills it. It distorts the plant. Get what Jesus and John are saying here? The gospel is distorted 
when we have the love of the world, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, distorting what the gospel says. I want the gospel to say this to me versus what it really says. That's why we need brothers and sisters here to keep us accountable and make sure that what we're hearing and reading from the word is in alignment with what God said. This is what John's doing in helping keeping the church accountable, this first generation accountable. So he talks about uh, this antichrist, and he basically says in verse 18, he says, some who were in the church walked out with a twisted gospel of the antichrist. John shares that they had joined for the wrong reasons when he says they never really belonged to us. You see, when they came into the church, they didn't didn't join and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior to save them from their sins. They accepted Jesus Christ for personal gain. There was something other than the true gospel they accepted Jesus Christ and community for. And today we still see that same thing. People go to church because of maybe family tradition, maybe social networking, business opportunities, maybe out of habit, but they're not going because Jesus Christ has rescued them from their sins and he's their savior and one worth following. John is saying, these people never joined the church for the right reasons. These people weren't producing, they they were going through the motions, but they weren't really producing sincere fruit. It's been, the gospel's been twisted and distorted them because they loved the world more than they loved the good news. And they wanted the good news to be something, they allowed the good news to be twisted by the Antichrist to meet their needs. The Bible says it's like honey being poured into our ears. It's giving us something that we wanted. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You either hate one, serve one, and hate the other, You can't serve both of them. And so when you accept a Jesus Christ that's not what the gospel says, you're actually hating him. You're saying, I don't like who you are. I'd rather have you just be a good teacher. I'd rather have you just be a a prophet. I'd rather have you just be an enlightened one. I'd rather have you just be a free get out of hell card. I'd rather have you just be a personal Santa on a bookshelf that I go to whenever I need you. Jesus has been twisted into so many things. The good news has been twisted into so many things, but nothing, nothing, generation to generation, the gospel has been preserved and still clearly presented and demonstrated by people who follow him. Here's the thing. If you haven't stopped and asked yourself why you even go to church, today is a good day to ask that because you're in danger of going astray and being influenced by false teachers who want to lead you astray, creating a Jesus that is much different than the Jesus that came to save you and I from our sin. You don't have to settle for anything less than the best today. If you're asking yourself, is he worth it? You have a whole ohana, a whole family, a whole community here that can tell you he's worth it. It's life and life more abundant. And today you can begin to take that first step by saying, I want this Jesus He loves me just as I am. I'm not perfect. And I'm willing to repent and turn from my old life and turn towards the life he's given me. You can continue hearing John's heartbreak for those who are lost to those who have been been lost to the deception of the Antichrist 
in the rest of this chapter. He emphasizes in verse 24 to remain faithful, beloved. Like he's, he's telling these early church members to remain faithful to what you have been taught. For if you remain in what you have been taught, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and all the believers for all eternity. It is our security, he says. Once again, a promise and teaching of Jesus. It's important that we remain, you guys. It doesn't mean we're perfect. I have stumbled so many times in my lifetime, it is not even funny. There have been moments where, even in my 20 years of ministry, I'm like, God, you can't use me right now. You can't use me this year. And God calls me and says, don't focus on that. I want you to focus on what I'm calling you to do. Don't make that sin. Don't idolize that sin and say, it's bigger than me. Get back up, son. Get back up, daughter of God. Don't let the enemy twist the gospel. I've saved you, I've redeemed you, and I've called you into a place of redemption. Where's Lena's shirt at? Come on, right there. Yeah, let's see redemption. Come on. It is important, you guys, that we hold fast to the truth and identity we have in Christ because the enemy is going to be quick to steal, kill, and destroy something in you. He longs to take it from you. And here's the promise that John is repeating and echoing from his beloved Jesus when he says, remain, 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 remain. He's echoing the faithful words of Jesus from John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces so that it will produce more fruit. If you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me, or you are already clean because of the word I have spoken into you spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Go get a bare fruit sticker out there. Uh, Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and withers. They, get, they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, uh, ask whatever you want, and it shall be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his. Can you hear God's? It's, it's, it's not like he's not begging, but he's pleading with his creation to stay with me. Don't look back. Don't look back at Sodom and Gomorrah and say, hmm, it's, you, you won't be able to take another step forward. You'll get caught up in it. Please remain in him. Some things to think about today as we close it out. Why do you go to church? Why are you here today? Maybe you're seeking Jesus. 
maybe you still, like, I'm not sure about this, but, man, there's something about that's calling my name, and that's good that you're here. We're so thankful that you're here. We're so thankful that you're seeking. But is it out of tradition? Maybe you're just so used to a family habit that you love it. Maybe you're here for social networking. Maybe you've been lonely, and that, that's why you're here. God calls people out of all kinds of broken reasons to come to, but why do you still keep coming? If it's been a while and you really haven't thought, like, wow, I've been coming here for a while, and I just am not sure. Like, I love the community, but there's something else. Maybe it's time to give this a little bit more thought. Because if it's anything other than Jesus who you feel like is calling you, your serious danger to, be twi- to experience a twisted gospel, to have somebody share, there's no hell out there. To have somebody share, ah, God is, is all love. There's no such thing as a God that's a judge. Our sins aren't going to be judged like that. You could keep doing whatever you're doing. It's an option to listen and obey Jesus. Maybe it's time to sit down and really look at the gospel presentation, what God, Jesus, invites us into. He said, no one goes to battle without counting the cost, and no one builds a house without counting the cost, or you lose or look like a failure in the end. Maybe it's time to give this like serious thought. He loves you so much that he gave the unthinkable to pay the punishment for being an enemy of his. He gave us his son, Jesus. We need a savior. Our life is out of control and deceptively leading us to darkness and to death. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will give you life and life more abundant. If that's you today, you can talk to any one of us and we would love to walk through the gospel. We would love to walk through that invitation. We would love to walk through what that brokenness looks like into a greater scale what he has rescued us from. We love to talk about this because the gospel is still good news to me. It's still good news to our, our church. We talk about it at our house churches. So think about that. Second thing to think about today, our godly actions give visible proof that we are Christians. Good deeds cannot produce salvation, but they are proof that true faith is actually present. John, who witnessed Jesus helping, serving others, and understood the priority to help, serve, and encourage those around him with good news, news of Jesus, he bore fruit and was encouraging the church to do so as well. I don't think we could walk away from chapter two without challenging ourselves. How are we prioritizing our walk with God? Do we see a change in our life? I would say, if you don't see a change in your life and you don't have a desire to help and serve and begin to walk and follow Jesus in that way, and you're just like, it's still all about me, and I don't know why I'm not, I'm not experiencing this change or this desire. Get up with your house church leader. Get up with one, if you don't have a house church yet, get up with one of them. And repent of anything that's holding you from this awesome experience with God. Repent and ask the Holy Spirit to bring anything in mind that might be hindering your walk. Remember, you have been forgiven, and God loves to forgive you. Then spend time with God later on in his word and worship and prayer and experience relationship with God. Third takeaway is the anointing that you receive from John, or not John, from Jesus, Holy Spirit. 
So I didn't preach on this or speak on this today, but check it out. In verse 27, he says, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. All right, so let's, let's speak on this just for a moment. The anointing that God gave us uh, it comes from the Holy Spirit within us. It brings this anointing. It brings this fellowship. It brings the teacher, the comforter, all that stuff. And so when you read the word, you just ask God, like, Holy Spirit, teach me what this says. Give me the boldness to obey it, and then go do it. Okay, so when you're doing this, our house churches, we read what we go over on Sunday. And we're encouraging everybody to let the Holy Spirit teach you before you get into a house church and experience the teaching. Because if you do that, Holy Spirit will actually use you to help teach the house church. And what's the Great Commission? Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've commanded you to do. Too many people get a revelation off of somebody else's revelation because they're not getting in the word and getting a revelation from the, 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 the word, like Holy Spirit on that word. Surprisingly, your revelation should match up with the theologians out there. And you'll be like, wow, I actually kind of got that from the word. That was better articulated than I, I got, but that was definitely the theme of what I got when I read that. I'm on point, you know? And so we want to encourage you to develop that relationship with Holy Spirit. Journal what you read. Write it down. Read the passage over and over. I call it grazing, like a cow kind of grazes on the cud, you know, like over and over and over. Then let it digest through how many stomachs? Like four stomachs or whatever. Like let that word really digest, okay? And, and then bring it on Sunday when you gather with your house churches. If you haven't been doing that, I'd say, like, here's a time to repent. Here's a time to repent. Your house church shepherds have asked you to do this, to come in alignment with this. If you haven't been making time for it, just say, Lord, forgive me. I haven't been prioritizing this time with the word, with my house church, with our community, and I know you can speak through me and use me to teach something from your word. Holy Spirit, come and, and, and show me how to do that. Amen? It's that simple, you guys. Cool? All right. So um, that's it. That's all for uh, today, folks. And um, I'm super stoked. Like, this was a solid word from John, and I'm super thankful. And we're going to get the worship team to come back up. And as uh, we sing these songs, remember, we're waving our palm branch to one that we adore, that we welcomed as the Messiah, as the King, as the Redeemer, as our Savior. And he's worthy to step out and look a little uncomfortable for, maybe. Maybe. You don't have to, but there's an invitation. Amen.